Hey there, it's Antonio, and we're back with another episode of Who Cares If You Listen. Kaylee Henderson is my guest this week. I've been trying to get Kaylee onto the podcast for months. I was hoping she'd be one of my first guests, and finally, she is gracing us with her presence. I'm really excited about it. I don't really want to talk law stuff. I mean, she did argue at the Supreme Court recently, but really, I wanted to talk about her foray into stand-up comedy, but more importantly, um... The work that she's done out in the wilderness, she has led canoe treks and expeditions for several days, and it's something that's way out of my comfort zone, and I'm all about talking about this process of journey, and it sounds like she's gone on some really wild journeys, and I think it's really factored into um, her personality more generally and how she deals with the world, so I think that was really fun to chat about. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if not, well, who cares if you listen? get it for a while and there's been a lot of things where like oh this one sounds like fun and then you do it and they're like no sorry we found someone who has a science degree and you don't have a science degree i feel like your brain has a science degree in your brain but i won't flatter you this whole podcast weren't you thinking oh, I, about so that, family that, law that's where the cutting line is because now you've 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 flattered my intellect i have to fit that you into are the podcast. intellectual you you really are like Hold on a sec. Okay, I didn't... God damn it, how many times is that thing going to ring? Oh, I thought that was part of, like, music, because I said you are intellectual, so you made, like, uh... No, no, it's it's a... Like, what do you call it? Like, bells ring or something. (laughs) It's a Pac-Man watch I have in my my workbench. It plays the Pac-Man theme song. It's lovely. Okay, but no, I do. I do appreciate being flattered. It always, uh, it's always a great start to to anything. But uh, I have not seen you or heard from you in in eons. So if nothing else, I'm really excited about catching up with you. And uh, so, so have you just gotten rid of caffeine or like any other substances? Like how how clean edge, how straight edge are you? Um. Well. I have not gotten rid of other substances. You know me. I do enjoy a good party. Okay. However, parties Cheetos kind of been and uh, Coca-Cola. No, not Coca-Cola. That's got caffeine. Oh, no, in it. See, I, I didn't even co- know that. I don't drink Coca-Cola. Um, but like parties have been curtailed, right? And I'm not one to smoke or, to- or sip on my own. So I, I'm basically living the clean life. I don't know. I, I never understood people who don't drink alone. And let me explain why. Like, that is the best time to get drunk. You're just sitting in the basement alone with a good book and, like, a glass of cognac. Okay, don't get lap. me wrong. When the pandemic started, I did a lot of edibles and went through my childhood boxes. But then I realized I had to kind of, like, dial that back. <laughs> so You went through your childhood boxes again? Not recently. At the start of the pandemic. I, I okay. Was, I was um, kind of bored, right? Because there was, like, everything halted. Okay. And uh, my partner was in the ICU as a nurse um, in the COVID unit. and Oh, God. So not anymore, but he was doing that until um, about November. So, like, for the first time in my whole life, me, who loves being around people, was just, like, twiddling my thumbs. And um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll take the opportunity to work on my comedy. 
and good, but that's a very social activity, and this is one of the grapes that I had. Like not writing it though, writing the comedy is not social. So you don't just go up to somebody and be like, "Hey, yo, is this funny?" No, I I don't. I um, I have a few soundboards, sounding boards, soundboards, but I just had a lot of time to get stoned by myself and just like reflect and chill and do yoga and paint and like do all sorts. The courts were closed for five months. So my job was basically just to like exist and like talk people down on the phone for a couple months. And it was great. (laughs) I hear you. I mean, that hasn't really changed for me that much. And, uh, I, I yeah, I guess I guess to your point, it it, it is kind of nice when you get that chance to kind of reflect if you're like completely alone and just kind of absorbed in your bubble like that. I loved it. It was months of that. I loved it. A lot of people hated it. A lot of people, like especially people we know, they were they were terrified at the idea of having to not go out every Friday, Saturday night, not have all of the pub meets, all the bar crawls having all of those like group associate like i'm very loud so people assume wrongly that i'm this like very extroverted person i hate going to parties i know that i don't assume that because i've invited you to so many parties that you and i came to like like one or two you did for the record you did come to one or two in the entire 10 years i've known you and that's because of how much (laughs) i like you i i want you to be clear that that was a herculean task for me well, thank you. I also fell down the stairs. <laughs> well, Where? We, we were at your place for a dinner party, and it was like the dead of winter. And I fell down the stairs off of like a slippery step. Like, you know, I think it's past the limitations period at this point, so you don't have to advise your insurer. So. But like, man, that was a dead mailman waiting to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think um, I should be better at salting my steps. I, I mostly had a bruised ass, which, if I remember my personal injury law, really isn't going to net me tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, well, good, because now I'm, like, trying to see if that was two years ago or not. Like, if you wanted to take me out for beers, I think it might, like, you know, I might be able to claim tens of dollars in emotional distress, but that's about the limit of it. You tell me when. I've asked you out for beers, man. Well, it's you... not happening during pandemic times. I haven't even been to a grocery store. Really? Whoa, you're that serious, eh? March 12th. Good for you. To March 12th, 2020. I was doing a real estate closing, and I just heard that the NBA canceled its season. And I'm like, okay, shit's getting real. So at that point, I decided, all right, it's time to, to buckle down and... Uh, Go. So how do you get groceries? Are you just growing your own in the backyard there? Out off yep, I've gone oil? full Amish. I've got oats and, uh, you know, some uh, some tomatoes on hockey sticks. No, uh, Walmart, Walmart does curbside pickup and then there's like a corner shop app where they like deliver groceries if you forget something for a recipe and things like that. And wow. so Catherine just orders Oh my God, I'm not a- going to tell you uh, my latest joke about the grocery store. Tell me the joke. I know I know what a grocery store looks like. Like I'm not in Sino. <laughs> well, okay, don't get me wrong. Like I'm following the law. But, but after I would do all those edibles and go through my childhood boxes, I realized that like I need people. 
Like I get energy from people. I kind of check myself based on my interactions with people. Okay. And so I started hanging out at the grocery store for like hours just to talk. Were you wearing a mask? Yeah, of course. I follow the law, but I I turned into a comedy joke because I would go to Loblaws and just talk to this guy stocking shelves and be like, oh, what kind of chip for your face? And then I'd like go to the deli lady and like her and I know like very intimate details of each other's lives. Like I need people. So the only people I could talk to was basically Loblaws, the gas station and shoppers. So that's how I spent my days. <laughs> now, Lingering now I- Linda of Loblaws is what I say in the, in the set. So I don't. I haven't heard you actually perform the joke. Once upon a time, we said that we were going to, uh, we we were gonna like spitball ideas. We were gonna work on our sets together, and we were yeah. gonna like try and craft jokes. And one of these days, that's gonna happen. Well, Antonio, it needs to happen because I have never formally on the record thanked you for asking me to do that show with you and Zach in first year. That was my comedy um, jumping off point. You were no Robbie Hollywood, but uh, but but I I did think you had an excellent. Uh, do you remember Robbie Hollywood? I have no idea who that is. So, he he came on like the Ottawa Comedy Facebook page and approached Zach, saying, you know, I've done a bunch of law school shows. I'm I'm like a semi pro at Yucks and oh. Absolute, and like he he also claimed that he went to law school at Queens, but. You know, I'm thinking yeah. he was just, ta- he was talking a big Antonio, game. Antonio, I remember his whole set. He had this hilarious joke where um, if he was a lawyer, his parents would say, my son, Robbie, instead of Robbie. That was his joke. Remember? Didn't he perform? Didn't you get one of your lawyers, so, like so, your so, friends so, so, to perform so, so at I'll our set? I'll, t- I'll tell you right now the, the apex of his set. I'm not going to say the high point because that's a value judgment. I don't want to ascribe to it. But I was saying women were wearing too short of a skirt for the winters in Ottawa in the byword market. And he, he, the punchline was ladies, y'all just begging to get raped. And I don't know if you remember that because we were in, we were at the closing night of pier 21 with about 150 law students from U of O and there was like raucous booing. People oh, I, like challenged I think that was, a fight. But, and I and like you know me and my views on comedy and politics and stuff. But I don't think we venture into rape jokes. I no, I but don't. so so here's the thing. Here's the thing with them, and I'm not going to defend rape jokes. I've never told one <laughs> because it's it's one of those things. Like if if you liken food to cuisine, and I think I sorry if you liken comedy to cuisine, and I think comedy has certain gustatory qualities. It's like cooking with like a poisonous blowfish, right? There 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 is a certain possibility that if crafted very 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 well. Yeah, you can possibly make a rape joke that's funny, but not unlike a poisonous blowfish. Okay, if you do it in so even slightly, if you do it even slightly wrong, it's gonna kill. Like, okay, so I way. love that analogy. Like, okay. love that. Might need you to text it to me after this. Okay. Poisonous blowfish. I won't text it to you because your iPhone is dinging, and that's just more background noise that I'm going to have to oh, clean out after. My iPhone is dinging. I'm so sorry. You're so important. You're so important. Oh. I can't. I can't ask that much out of you. 
Okay, so and that wasn't sarcastic. Although now hearing it back, I'm like, that sounded super condescending yeah, and sarcastic. I'm sorry. Okay, so we're talking about um, jokes that uh, you know if done well and done crafted well um, can deal with some controversial things. Yeah. So I'm working on some new material. Okay. <laughs> and. Um, I'm doing a lot of anti-conservative comedy when the election comes. Can't wait for that because I hate. Okay. The well, you don't even know what their platform is going to be. How can doesn't you matter. Didn't you hear them, uh, Matt Galloway today on uh, the current talking about the Supreme Court decision? And he goes, "So it's about carbon tax, right?" And it's basically okay. like, well, we know they're going to win, right? Who? Like the federal government's going to win, obviously, right? Well, it was yeah, it was it was the Supreme Court. They're not the federal government. You, sure. you know yeah, that you right? want to. Yeah. I mean, the federal government is going to win at the Supreme Court. Like, we know that. Right? Okay, so we know that. So the Supreme Court, nine independently um, not elected, appointed justices right. decided, uh, read the case, it's about carbon tax. And basically, they wrote a lot of case law on um, how climate change is real, and we have to deal with it. So then, Matt Galloway's talking today to uh, Vashti Capellos and... Uh, Matt Weaver, the head of the Green Party, and... I don't know who these people are, so you can just make up names if you wanted to. Oh, they're real people. <laughs> I know, I know, but you're like, you're like struggling to find a name. I'm like, you called, you know, whatever, and I wouldn't Well, it's be important to find their names, right? Because people's names are important. So the whole point of what I'm trying to tell you is um, Matt Galloway's, like, ends this, like, phenomenal set on the radio, and then he's like, we couldn't get... We asked Aaron O'Toole... Andrew Shear and Doug Ford for an interview. All three of them declined. And I spat out my coffee and jumped for joy in my little kitchen. So anyways, this you is not what I... You didn't spit out your coffee. You gave up caffeine, right? It's decaf. Oh, I drink okay. decaf. Don't okay. even try me. Okay. Okay. What? You're conservative? This is going to be a whole other podcast. I, I, I'm, I'm trying not. to talk about comedy. I, I'm not. I hung out with Ed Broadbent on Zoom back by like around Christmas time. But I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, isn't it amazing that like the Court of Appeal from Alberta saw the law this way and the Court of Appeal from Ontario and Quebec saw the law that way. And we're just going to say that the bench is independent. I mean, OK, back to comedy, back to comedy, because I have <laughs> not uh I've lost some friends when I start talking about. Doug you won't Ford. lose a friend out of me. I mean, if you make it personal, maybe, but like I won't make my it whole, personal. I would my, never my make it personal. I there, just there think was, people there was need a judge. to wake up and smell the coffee when there it was comes a, to climate change. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, no, you shouldn't smell the coffee then because it's coming from like Ethiopia and it has a very high carbon footprint. You should be like having. Well, I'm not taking it that far. Let me tell you my joke that's controversial. But okay, lay me, actually, lay no, the never comedy. mind. No, no, no. You, no, I want to no, no, no. If this is your podcast, I went on I my little hear, conservative rant. It's my rant. podcast. I want to hear your joke. Okay, fine. And you do know I've had Tony Clement on here before, too. So you're I don't know who that is. I'm just kidding. You don't know who Tony Clement is? I'm joking. Okay. Okay, so, He's my squash buddy. That's aww. his biggest claim to fame. <laughs> Probably. You're my biggest claim to fame, too. All right. Let's hear the fucking joke. Come on. Okay. So um, back to... Uh, your friend Robbie, who said a rape joke at Pier Twenty One, which apparently I was at. It wasn't me. even really a joke. It was more of a very aggressive statement. Like there was no punchline. He just. Said, Are you sure I was there? Were you at Pier Twenty One? Well, I don't know. 
Did Which you do comedy time? at a bar with like a hundred some students and David Wiseman was there? Oh yeah, I was there. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, yeah that yep, was yep. crazy. Nope, yep. And he still and he and he, and he won the audience back. Oh, I, but I, I was I keep, like loving that def- he got I booed. Def- I'm sorry, I keep, man. I keep deferring your joke. It's just leading to the buildup. Oh, so he he oh, wins yeah. the crowd back by saying, "Come on, social justice folk, y'all gonna boo the only black comic tonight." And that got some laughs. That got to like a three out of ten. Like he didn't win the crowd back, but he subdued them. Okay. Yeah, because you always revert back to self-deprecating if you're bombing. But 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 it was kind of interesting because he just kind of turned their 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 wokeness on them, and then he immediately talked about how he didn't like smelly hippies and Asian people who lived in Kensington Market, and it was like, bro, you almost dug yourself out of a hole, and then you decided to swan dive back in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's comedy's interesting, right? Like we you and I were just talking about that um case um oh, Kaylee Joan, I don't remember the the name of it, but we were facebooking about it. Remember the case that just came out with um the guy in Montreal who was saying uh things about um a disabled person? Mike Ward, Mike Ward. Yeah, so you you know, like we've had some discussions, so we know each other's views on comedy and I like turning jokes on their head. Um, my joke that I'm, I've done a probably four times live now. And I'm going to add a, I'm going to add a drum roll because we're, we're building up to this joke. Put the Pac-Man watch on. No, no, I'm not putting the Pac-Man watch on. Hey, do your drum roll. No, like I'm actually going to add one. I'm going to add one in post-production, although that one was precious. I might just have to clip it. I forget that you get to go home and edit this. You're not going to like, uh, do like, um, tidbits that make me sound really bad are you like i don't have to do tidbits <laughs> oh burn did he just say that no i'm not a jerk um no no basically what i do is like for example like right now i can sort of hear myself coming back in the monitors and what i think it is it's the apple earphone is like looping back from your microphone so i clean up a lot of that if there's any long pauses where you're like having a coughing fit or you go like uh uh like i chop those out i make it very very tight and then sometimes just because of the magic of the internet us going back and forth there's a little delay in between the sound like the latency is not great so i chop 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 and i try and make everything sound really tight by the end it's like a ginsu knife absolutely perfect yeah so tell me without further ado we've we've 22 minutes build up <laughs> let's hear let's hear this joke okay so i have this joke and um i'll just say it like i will on stage although that never works you usually have to like be on stage to say your set I've tried to like tell them to friends and it doesn't really work. But anyway, I appreciate the preamble, but let's let's have it. <laughs> Here's the joke. Um, oh, it's been a while. So I'd say something like, I first let the audience know me and trust me. I, this can't be my opening joke because it's a bit risque, a bit blowfish, poisonous blowfish. That's the way you want to go. You want to go in hard. No, I don't. Make, make your meanest joke first. No, I want them to kind of figure out who the heck I am first. No, so after I've com- done that. Okay. All right. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll put a pin in that. I want to hear the joke. All right. Okay. Okay. So um, I do drop that I'm a lawyer because it does keep me different from the other comedians because so that's already been said. Um, but I try and do that in like a fun way, not in okay. like a, you know, I'm smart way. So my joke is, okay. does anyone else feel a little 
let down by the Me Too movement? Like all hash- the time. Like hashtag Me Too. We've established that women have been manipulated and you know sexually assaulted for centuries. So, I mean, are we just gonna leave it at that? Like, what about my movement? What about hashtag our turn? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I want to sexually assault men. You know, maybe just corner some young articling student in my boardroom. Maybe make them flirt with me a little bit, you know, for greater prowess at my law firm. Maybe get a little handsy over that hot blue suit. But it ends there. It ends there, my friends. It ends there. You didn't even laugh. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> hashtag me too. Hashtag our turn. You get it? I had, to, I had to think about it. I had to visualize you, you know, playing ass tag with like a young 20 something article. It gets a laugh. I find oh, I wouldn't do that. I'm 14 years older than that. But I. Um, oh, come on. I mean, it's you, like you said, it's been going around for centuries, you know. <laughs> not interested. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but that's the joke, right? Like men have done that to women. Right. They've been in those boardrooms and had to flirt for, you know, senior partner attention. And so I'm turning it on its head. It's hashtag our turn. And um, like I make sure that I've got some eye contact with some of the women in the audience because some people have been hurt. Like most women have a story, right? That hashtag me too. So I make sure that I've tested the scene a bit. I've got some eye contact with a loud clapping woman. And then I basically tell the There's joke There's always to her. one. There's always one. Oh, yeah. She's like, you go, girl. You go, girl. I love that woman in the audience. So I make sure the joke is like being heard and she's with me. And it, and it kills. Like, well, it kills. I've done it four times. The first two to three times, not so much. But my fourth time, I was like, yes, I finally got this joke. Now, my own, this isn't, this isn't even constructive criticism or anything, but my own, my own thought on how you you work that if, if it was me and obviously for a whole host of reasons i am not going to make that joke because i can't really do a me too joke because of the kind of cultural capital that you you would have as one of these female type persons but it's if, if there's one thing i've noticed is that if you really want to have something impactful you have to lessen the wind up to as minimal as possible so mm. it's like you set the premise you know what i'm a lawyer and as a female lawyer you're always worried about the senior partner trying to play grab ass with you. And, you know, now we're, we're in the me too movement. Uh, there we're, we're in an era of, uh, you know, where we're kind of turning sexual harassment on its head. But the real problem is when's it my turn That's to grab feedback. ass at the photocopier? That's good. When's feedback, it? Antonio. Yeah. I love it's that. like, it's like six, seven seconds in, I'm already picturing yeah. you like grabbing those supple, buttocks at the xerox machine it's more the flirting in the boardroom that's i'm less interested in like the the you know the joke with the guys because they were all wearing blue suits for a while like you don't want it to be crass you don't no i don't i'm more interested in the the mind game aspect of it the flirting rather than the um the touching because can can you do like a creepy pervert voice i'm very good at doing this kind of voice and you could just kind of whisper into their ears and be like hey but how hey funny there. is it, right? Like now, hey, hey there, stud. I'm tired of reading your facta. I just want your briefs. Oh, that—that's good. That's clever. 
You got to text that to me. I got to write that down. That's good. <laughs> well, no, you're going to listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. And then oh, yeah. Remember right. it. It's on the record. <laughs> and you don't, on the record. This is not court. <laughs> Everything is court. It's true. There was a judge from Texas who tweeted this thing saying that, like, we judges from North America, we all talk. And if you start tweeting shit out, we're going to find it and your reputation is going to get harmed. Just a friendly Good. reminder. Good. You've got to be careful what you put on the internet. I no, mean, yes honestly, and no. I there's mean, got to already... be some respect for our judiciary. Does there? Yes. Why? Because it's the rule of law and it keeps us functioning as a country. So I, I mean, do I not... mean, we criticize our duly elected officials. I mean, why it's not different. the judiciary on top of that? Different. How's it different? I'm not going to explain public law 101 to you. You probably got it more than I did. I understand that judges aren't elected, but my whole point is, it's like, why is it that we're allowed to criticize the prime minister and Lord knows people do it savagely or the leader of the opposition or a member of parliament or the mayor or the premier. Because judges but, are protected behind their robes in their chamber at the Supreme Exactly. Court. They're the only ones where we have no other recourse well, against Antonio, them. it's not tidbit. They're reading, they're writing, um jurisprudence that's 84 pages not everyone is going to read 84 pages of jurisprudence you know we can't just say chief justice wagner did this carbon uh carbon decision you know it, it, this is not like let's chop this up simplify it and make a loop on the internet and memes like this is serious stuff this is a I agree that it's serious. I think policy is serious, and I'm sorry if this got a little bit too heady. That's not necessarily my <laughs> what I'm going for. It's but my, my, you're my conservative. point. My, I'm not. A, look, my point is simply <laughs> this. My point is simply this. Okay, and take it for what it is. But if I don't like the government of the time, in theory at least, I could vote for the other party, vote them out of office. I have my my franchise at the ballot where I can replace them. Okay. With, with, with a judge, I don't have that luxury. We don't have elected judges in this country. Good. They're really more akin to like a pope than they are a prime minister, where it's like everything they say in theory is infallible and you have no recourse and they're always going to lord this invisible power over you. So if you don't even have the ability to like vocalize your criticism of them, there there becomes this just this 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 you can vocalize your pr- you can vocalize your criticism of you know, maybe Abella's too left wing or maybe uh, Justice Roe is too this or Justice Brown is too that, but you can't put it on Twitter. You can okay. voc- You can definitely criticize decisions. That's what makes a good democracy and a good rule of law, but you don't put it on Twitter. You, you write an article to something legit and you put your thought into it. Is it the same for a politician? Should you be allowed to say criticize Aaron O'Toole on Twitter? Uh, That's a good question. So my answer is sort of like I could, I'm not going to write Aaron O'Toole as a tool, but I might write, look at this carbon decision from the Supreme court. Aaron O'Toole didn't even bother to respond. Aaron O'Toole is a tool. So I might do that. I probably will do that. But but, you'd never say like, you know, but I would have an article backing it up from a reputable source. Right. I, I guess that's sort of my point is that, you know, especially when we look at our political discourse today, we don't get a lot of sort of dispassionate Vulcan-like 
uh, breakdown of policy and ideas. And if we did, I think I, I agree with you. We could have uh, a criticism of a decision of any level of court, and then we could have a criticism of any politician based on kind of the dispassionate view. But you and I both know that that's not how politics work. I mean, if I never hear the the term libtard again, it'll be too soon. You know, people are so vicious on both sides of the spectrum where it's really more like cheering for your favorite sports team. than Oh, and don't get me wrong. Like, I will, you know, like entertain a conservative article every once in a while. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like to know the other side. It's part of being a lawyer, right? It's nice to know what what other people think so you can crush them. Um, <laughs> As a very Yvonne Drago-esque moment. I love it. So, um, I wanted to ask you because I heard on the radio that um, the Pope is heading to a country to do some diplomatic work. I can't remember the country. Maybe Are was... you Googling things on I am. the podcast? I am. How... Because, because I don't remember the country. To was quote Greta Thunberg, I how it was dare Syria. you? Okay, fine. Think, Phone is going away. Iraq. I think it was Iraq. I okay, think so that's in interesting. Let's talk about that. That's cool. Like, what a decision to make, eh? Yeah. Oh, I think really that's cool. cool. I think that's yeah, I, diplomacy. I agree. Cool. I'm glad we. I'm glad we sussed out that issue. That was really groundbreaking stuff. Well, you said the Pope was a a judge or something, so it made me. Think well, I just said he was infallible. I mean, if Catholics don't like the Pope's pronouncement on social justice or abortion or whatever, they can't say, "Well, nuts to that." I'm going to go and elect, you know, Pius the Nineteenth as the new Pope instead. They don't have elections. Exactly, in the same and that's sense. how it it's is the with idea. the judge. Exactly. I, I we agree, and yet. There's like kind of this divide. Like, do you do you want a, a judge who presumably was a member of the bar for a long, long time to all of a sudden ascend and be given this papal bull? No, but I trust that they've had ten years on the bar, have great references, are respected by the judges that came before them. They don't just get appointed to judgehood for nothing. It's not just you know you gave enough money to the Liberal Party and you know people and then no, it's kind not of, definitely okay. not, especially not in today's call out culture. Well, who is that judge who got called out for telling the woman that she should have kept her legs closed? That was a big deal. That was a big deal. What was his name? I don't even remember. I forgot his name, but that was a big deal. Okay, this is this is payback for me just kind of going limp on the whole Pope visit thing, isn't it? Um, no one maybe. can no one can no one can see your visual this is an audio only podcast so yeah you can make as many faces as you want it's solely for my benefit this wow, is shocked. this is the most hostile guest i've had so far really so, I mean, oh my god i'm so confrontational who would have okay, well, thought let's talk I, about nice things um I'm so, what are you up to these days how uh how have you been passing the time when you're not working good question i ask good questions I've been going into the woods a lot. Okay. Which I've woods? Been, Where? What are we doing? Oh, um, some local woods around Ottawa. Um, Gatineau Park. I've been going to Algonquin Park a lot. Um, I'm going to happen. It's okay. It's uh, Unfortunately, if there's nothing else I've learned in the age of the internet, it's that these things kind of... I wonder why, because I think my internet did go out for a second, which is weird because it's, um, 
my working theory is that you said something salacious and the CSIS van parked along Somerset kind of picked it up <laughs> and said, okay, we need to put a stop to this. My dream. Aaron O'Toole is like, has tapped your Bring your it house on, internet. Aaron O'Toole. I can handle you. He's already been pre-vetted by, by the, the junta that actually controls our government. And they decided that he's the only one that can prevent uh, a North Korean invasion. So they've already, like, the shadow government is already being assembled as we speak. Well. Or the la le le lo as I like to call them. Against, against me, like Aaron O'Toole and his little cronies. It might not be him. I don't know. Don't it could be. Me. It could be any variety. They don't scare of me. I've got a lot of comedy coming. That do anti-maskers scare you? <sighs> a little bit, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's my thing. How oppressed are you that you can't wear a piece of paper in front of your face? No. Like they probably don't even work, and and they're the first ones to say they don't work. And I'm like, well, if they don't work, I mean, sorry to be Pascal's wager over here. But, like, fucking put the paper on because it doesn't work, right? If somebody told me to wear a red hat because that was going to ward off COVID, I'm fucking wearing the red hat. I agree with you on that one, too. I agree yeah, with you. I, I, I love it when you agree with me. It is one of easily your most enduring qualities. Yes, because that's when you're right. Well, I'm <laughs> always right. It's just you're closer to the truth whenever you agree with me. No, it's that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm infallible, not unlike, say, the Pope. Oh, Antonio, I am glad we stayed friends, honestly. You are such a character. Do you remember one time? No, you might not remember because we've never talked about this. Go on. (laughs) We were walking around campus and there was this beautiful scarf on the ground. And I know you're not, like, you're a bit of a germaphobe. And um, this scarf was so flowery and pink. And I was like, oh, someone lost their scarf. So I picked it up off the ground and I put it around my neck and you were like, oh, Paul. Yeah, that was, that was weird as fuck. I do remember that. I do remember that. I know you do. You know, you know, you, you know, like, you know it took like six feet. You were physically distancing before physically distancing was a thing. So here's the weird part about that. And I'm going to level with you and you decide if you want me to chop this out or not. You asked me if you, I wanted to have lunch with you. No, you asked like, me. Did I? Yeah. Are you sure? Like you were trying to date me. I didn't. I, I, I thought that was a date, but then when friend. you picked up the, yeah. I thought that was a date. I and didn't. then when you picked up the scarf, I was done. I thought it was comedy. No, I know you were done when I picked up the scarf and it was hilarious. Yeah. You I thought it was a date that out. No, I thought you wanted to go on a date and I, and I liked you as a friend, but I didn't like you romantically. And I thought I'll just talk all on this like lunch with him and we'll talk about comedy and like, you know, I'll, he'll figure out that I'm like his bro. And then when I picked up the scarf, you like that was it. That's all. I, all, all, all. All you had to do was show that you were rife with whatever germs were flowing in the air, and I was done. I know it was amazing. Like you jumped back six feet. I mean, in retrospect, you should have just picked up some trash from the get go, and then the whole rest of the lunch should have been very amicable. <laughs> I and still jovial. have the scarf. If this was a video, I'd have go you washed get it. it. Yeah, I washed it, but it's one of my faves. Great. I wonder if its original owner like misses it, like thinks about it, kind of looks at their old Instagram photos, pines about whatever happened to old Scarfy. I don't think so. 
<laughs> I've lost many scarves where like I'll see old pictures and I'm like, I remember that one. That and it's great. like one fateful O train ride where yeah. you just kind of carelessly flung it over your bag. And then I even went to like that old O train, OC transpo lost shit depot out off of Chapel Street and it was no more. I didn't even some, know that some, place existed. I have some jewelry. I have some jewelry that might be there. I mean, I don't know how freely you can go there now in pandemic times, but I definitely went there a few times to look for like scarves and gloves that I was needlessly emotionally oh, attached I think to. I have a hat there too. Oh, this is good. But then, but then the the rotten ne'er do gooders like you know the Kaylee Hendersons of the world, they're just they're just you know they're not returning these scarves to their rightful owner. They're just you know scavenging not unlike crows hey it it ended what could have been a, a difficult conversation really quickly i mean i don't really have a lot of follow-up which has both been my problem pre-catherine with dating and also with job interviews like you know like whenever you interviewed for a job did you ever send one of those thank you happened, emails? but i don't i'm not sure what happened there again but um so that one was me oh, and phew. i don't know why okay well you asked me about my follow-up yeah, do you ever send one of those like thank you so much for having yeah, the pleasure? Yeah, I send of like 10 and dating too. And you never, like you I never am did, follow up queen. I had no follow up whatsoever. So honestly, even if you were desperately interested uh in dating me and that was like a lunch to kind of suss me out and you were just like ticking all the boxes, <laughs> probably would have ignored you for like 2 weeks and then you would have gotten the wrong message and that would have been it. Oh no, you see that's what I liked. So I probably would have actually started liking you then because you know that it would have been like he's not into me. How do I make him into me? Really? Oh yeah. Does that work with jobs too? Do you just ignore the employer and then they'd be like, oh man, this guy must be a hot commodity. He was like super rude and undressed. He was insulted. He was negging me the whole time through that interview. <laughs> Well, I'm self-employed, right? So I don't have a lot of like um, labor forces. Like, have you no. ever interviewed somebody? I interviewed my my articling student. Yes, and I, I have just realized I'm a terrible job interviewer. I'm an amazing job interviewer. Yesterday, I interviewed Altonine. I interviewed this gentleman at Side Door. We ordered crispy wings, uh, a papaya salad, crispy beef, and calamari ordered cocktails and spent the whole afternoon talking about everything but the law. So, so you got, you, so you got your potential, you got your potential hired. Well, no, he doesn't know. We don't, we haven't sent, well, I don't know. It was, I don't know if we've sent him an email with a formal offer yet, but Alton, I was supposed to be on that this morning. She probably will. There's be. like She's a three, there's, <laughs> She's really there's like busy. a three week, there's like a three week delay in me posting these, so don't worry about oh, anything okay, out good, of the bag. Good. I but, feel like but, we're but still to, live streaming for some reason. But to call back to your earlier joke, I mean, you're taking this guy out for cocktails because you want him to have nice things. Mm -hmm. I mean, this this does sound a little me too, if I'm being honest. I mean, I'm not I, I think I took I think I took Claudia out for Denny's once. That was about as uh, that was about as highfalutin as I ever got. I want him to know who he's rolling with. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. That's not uh that's not exactly like, you know, Harvey Weinstein, but I think that's uh, you know, that's that's pretty old law right there. That's well, you a little gotta, Gordon F. Henderson. You gotta um don't don't say that. You don't bring up the grandfather. But you gotta um you gotta make new lawyers feel like they're special. And this person that we're hoping to hire when we give him an offer and 
he hopefully accept. Um, I want him to feel special. I want him to know that we're going to go for fancy dinners with him because we want to talk about everything but the law with him. And um, we want to know him as a person, not just someone who's going to bill for us, you know? So um, that's part of why I'd rather interview like that. Because also he's going to be standing up in court saying Tesha Beva Henderson, right? And I want him to feel respected so that he respects us and respects the judiciary. So was this the interview was at the bar? Yeah. It was at a lunch place on a patio. Yeah. Wow. Huh. I never got so much as a coffee on any of my interviews. Shit bar. I mean, maybe that's why. Well, I if we ever need in-house, they, they, they if we ever need in-house insurance, we'll know who to call. I'm, I'm clipping that out, just so you know. Oh, you're just making me. Come you're on. making me more. Come I, don't, on. I didn't get the freaking job, on. and now that's you're making good. you're you're making me more editing work, Kaylee. Oh, Shame you think you. that's funny? Come on. It is kind of funny, but I'm gonna clip it out. Fair enough. That's you get to choose. Yeah, I'm gonna clip that out. So that's okay. <laughs> you're you're making me a needless amount of work with your shoddy internet and your personal digs and your political soapbox, but it's also one of your endearing qualities. So, so it works. It cuts both ways. Originally, when I, I, I wanted you to come on this podcast, I had it in my mind. I don't, I know a lot of lawyer people and I don't want to talk about lawyer shit with them just because a lot of it is just people toadying up the judges and like talking shop and doing like hustle porn, which I, I have no time for. Like, you know, people taking selfies of themselves at the desk and telling me how long their days are because they believe in justice. And that sounds like a pickup truck commercial or something like that, you know, like you're <laughs> built for tough, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you're a very, had you never gone to law school and you never set foot there, I think you're still a very, very interesting person from, from the life that you you've lived. Like you, you're, you're quite the outdoor adventurer. Are you not? Yes, I am. Can you elaborate on that a bit? <laughs> sure. Um, I love being outside. I need to be outside. Um, I'm fortunate that my dad and mom like being outside too. So when I was little, we spent a lot of time. What? What do you? Well, that's kind of an understatement. Like, didn't your dad write like a dissertation on like the riverways of of Ottawa or something like that? Um. Yeah, yeah. So he's written his PhD was on basically the program he would start at McMaster and be a prof at for the next 29 years, um, which is outdoor education and the foundings of it. So it's not just the historical aspect of outdoor education, but it's placing students in the classroom and their classroom is canoe trip and it's the history of voyagers and the history of indigenous people and it's the, the 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 science side of it the environment and um skills right mapping skills knowing the land and then it's also the psychological side of it so outdoor education encompasses like all those factors and the psychological benefits of health and being outside and and community right because on a canoe trip you need to like the people you're with and you need to work together. Well, because, you know, you can't really go anywhere unless your canoe, like all paddles the same direction and you all get over the portages together. 
I've heard a psychologist use that as an analogy before for like a successful, you know, partnership, friendship, relationship, but I've never actually gone canoeing. So I haven't seen it in practice, but I think it's something very different where you actually learned by doing these things. Oh yeah, no, it's, um, I think I've learned every life lesson on a canoe trip. And if my head's getting a little too busy, I try and go to the woods or go on a canoe trip because that means I'm away from the internet and the crap and the people and the city and the conservatives. And I can go off on, on into the woods and just sort out my own head for a little while and, and have fun. Like people need to have fun. Absolutely. They do. So what was it you're getting away from the internet, the crap, the city? I, there was something in there that I missed. <laughs> the conservative party. So you're going, so you're going to rural Canada like the far flung regions yeah. of, of presumably there's the a north lot of, of people in rural Canada who choose to live in the woods and don't necessarily and vote, vote. Yeah. Or liberal or green, anyone but the conservatives vote whoever you want, just not the conservative. Cause I was always told that, you know, our, our, you know, the way that our country's kind of broken down, you have these very tight, well, look concentric. Closer. I haven't finished what I was going to say. You have these city centers like your Montreal's, your Quebec cities, your Ottawa's, your Toronto's, your uh, Vancouver's, your Edmonton's mm-hmm. that kind of vote a little bit more left of center. Right. Than, uh, and then you have these huge rural swaths. So I would assume that who, I, like, I don't even know, like Algonquin Park, what riding is that? Would, would Probably like... Um I don't know for sure because I don't vote in it, but it's probably something like Bancroft or Whitney, Madawaska. Now you're on the internet during our podcast. Yes, but it's my podcast, so True. it's a little bit different. This is- but I don't think it's fair to say that rural people vote conservative. I think we have to tease this out. I'm not blaming you or accusing you. I'm of not that. a census. I'm not a census. I don't know. I mean, but, but I think there are a lot of really interesting people who choose to live out in the woods. And I know many of them. And um, I think they vote how they want. And let's not put partisan politics, make this, this is back, this is about canoe tripping, but I need to get away from it all. And I go into the woods and I bring friends and we have a good time. And that's what I do. And that's what I worked as, as a, you know. So what did you work as? I mean, let's, let's tease a that guide. out. I, I was to- a canoe trip guide. It was the best job of my life. Where did you go? Like, what, how, do, how, does a, how does a canoe guide work? I've never been on a canoe trip ever. Um, well, at first I just... Like, you just, you, you just point out, like, there's some water, there's a bear, look out for that, like, we're heading this way, or, like, what, what exactly is your role in all of this? Okay, so my first canoe guiding job was at a camp, and okay. um, you get all these maps, okay? There's a giant map room with uh, lakes and um, little pencil marks that say like 450 meters and then another lake. So you're told at like 18 years old, um, well, you know, you, you, you know, to take your kids, your campers about 20 K a day. If they're older, if they're younger, only about five to 10 K. But when I was guiding like the 50, like the, the Biscos, which is 42 day, I knew that I knew my kids and I knew they could handle 20k 25 30k days not every day so I basically say okay I'm going to start here and in 42 days I'm going to end up here 
but I need to get food every 10 days. So I can choose whatever route I want all over this this map. Now, when you say get food, you mean like there's a Loblaws nearby or Basically, like yeah. there's salmon upstream? No, um, we would have to <laughs> we would have to choose a point every 10 days where our camp would have a representative from the camp drive and bring us our mail, new socks, new underwear, and um, our food, our fresh food. That's wild. That's like that in every sense of the word. That is wild. I can't believe that. So every 10 days you were just disconnected, kind of living off your kit. Yeah. What's the longest you've gone in between stops? Like if it's just you and you don't have a bunch of kids behind you, like could you go like two weeks out in the wild? I've never gone more than 17 days without a food drop. But with my friends on a canoe trip. More than 17 Actually, maybe days. 18. With, uh, twice with no, three times with friends, I've gone under 20 days without a food drop. Wow. Yeah. I've never, like, I order groceries at home every seven days, and I have a pantry and a freezer. That's why we, we would not have been a compatible couple. <laughs> <laughs> that, it was that. It was that. It was, it was, it was the groceries. So is that yes? It, it was the groceries. <laughs> yes, it was but, the but groceries. For, but, but for that, like you just looked at me, like this, this is this is a Whole Foods looking motherfucker. I can't, I can't, I I can't even. It's like I'm gonna pick up the dirtiest scarf I can find, put it on my mouth. <laughs> I'm gonna grab your trusty pocket knife, just fillet a squirrel right there. <laughs> oh, that's good, Antonio. That's funny. <laughs> How to Turn Men Off by Kaylee Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're at master class level if that's any consolation. <laughs> Sorry. It's not you're not you're, you're not gonna get like your own like instructables course online on it. <laughs> well don't don't tempt me. I got a lot of extra time in this pandemic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, okay, so but 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 so the long and short of it is, you you managed to bring enough supplies to last you. Like, like, how big is that? Like, how big is the physical drop box that we're talking about that you're carrying along to go 17 days without supplies? So it depends on how many people you have, but generally you get a personal, which is a sea line bag. It's a waterproof bag, like you might use oh, yeah. for your. Um, I, I have one on my sup. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So. A 20 liter one is supposed to fit all my gear, like my dry set, my wet set, my toiletries, and my sleeping bag. Sometimes I need to bring um, like a 20 and a 10 because my sleeping bag takes up 10 liters, depending on which sleeping bag I'm using. So then there's food, right? So you always have a food barrel. And sometimes you have to put food in the pack or the one again too. So, I mean, that should answer your question. It really depends on how many people you're on this canoe trip with. But ideally, you want to get over the portage in one go. Because it is really frustrating having to, like, double back, especially if you're on, like, a 10K portage and you've got kids. And, you know, it's it's like you can't always do it all in one go. But especially after... You portage for 10K? Yes, I have done longer than that. 
What? I did I did about 300 meters with my sup, and it was the worst thing I ever did in my life. It was so annoying. Do you have wheels at least? No, no. You're in them. Um, you're doing it over shields. your head. Like, yeah, of course. You oh don't have wheels. It's tomogamy. It's Pippawa. It's Puetico. It's, uh, you're just making up words now. No, I'm not. These are places. <laughs> okay. But you're just listing them off like I'm supposed to know them. Like, come on. It's, it's Kumanawak or whatever you said. Well, I mean, so... Sometimes the terrain is really rugged because the rocks are so severe in the north that okay. you can't have wheels. Um, so you, you can't even carry the canoe with someone else because sometimes you're teetering on like the edge of a rock face and you're resting your canoe on a blown down tree. Like it's pretty, pretty serious stuff, but it sounds scary. I love it. It's not scary because you go slow and you make sure everyone's supported. You ever had like an oh fuck moment? Like I really underpacked and I really wish there was a Quiznos nearby, like oh, shit's yeah. getting sketch. Definitely. But you, you learn pretty quickly when you're a guide that your oh fuck moments are really serious. Like I guided this group of kids <clears throat> who were 16 and I was 18. So just to tell you, they were from Montreal. So they were probably more life experience than me at 18 when they were at 16. And, um, just by virtue of living in Montreal? Yeah, versus Dundas, Ontario. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I guess there's a lot of experiential training in Montreal. Maybe depends. If they were like from Westmount, I don't think maybe it's kind of the same thing. But uh, well, anyway, anyway, let so me sorry. just say I learned a lot around the campfire and pretended I was older than 18. So you're saying they were ruffians. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm saying they'd been clubbing and I hadn't at 18. Okay. In Dundas. But, 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 but that, let's see if that clubbing helped them out in the in the wilderness. Like, what happened? So, um, they were great. They were a bunch of new kids to camp. Only one or two of them had been there before. And they were mostly French-speaking. I think there was only one girl who spoke both. So, okay. that was really cool for me to work on my French. But the thing I want to tell you is you learn as a guide that your actions have consequences. So you learn that you can't have a fuck moment because it's bad. So what I did was I figured, oh, they're 16. I'm 18. I don't want to be micromanaging them and telling them what to pack and going through their personals and being intrusive. So I'm just going to tell them what to pack and then let's go on this 23-day canoe trip and see what happens. Okay. And one of them forgot to bring shoes for the campsite. So your shoes are muddy all day, portaging. And then we get to the campsite, and she doesn't have shoes. So every night, for all those nights, I had to duct tape blue foam around her feet. She didn't have any shoes. She had shoes for the day, not the night. You need a day set and a night set. What's the difference? Uh, the, day, the day set gets wet and muddy, and the dry set at night stays warm. And do, you need, do you need shoes in the canoe, or can you just have wet feet? No, you're portaging. So oh, portaging. So you're walking over rocks and shit. You definitely need shoes. And through mud and muck. And you definitely need your hiking boots. So so every night I had to make her shoes. Cause I'd so, so I don't know much about Canadian history, and I'm definitely not an anthropologist. I don't know enough about our First Nations peoples. But like, like let's say you were out in the, in the wild, like in the days of the fur trappers and stuff. Did you just have to bring like extra moccasins or like, 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 is there like something? Can you make like huaraches out of some like wood bark or something like that? 
Well, I guess so. I mean, I did it out of blue foam, so I think you use touche. Your I mean, yeah, it's yeah. one of the, one of the abundant sources, like a pool noodle or something like that. Uh, you know, blue foam that you might use as a thermarest. Uh, you know how you wrap a canoe at the fort? <laughs> no, Kaylee, I don't know how you wrap a canoe. I'm a city boy in the worst sense of the word. <laughs> okay, blue foamy. It's from uh, Canadian Tire, and it's, it's it could be used as a sleeping mat, but you always bring a little bit on canoe trip in case you, your, um, your thwart on your canoe. Okay, so it's kind of like a pool noodle kind of texture. Yes, exactly, but a thin sheet of that. Okay. 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 That I that I get. I get that. Pool noodles are about as adventurous <laughs> as they get. That's not true. You've been paddleboarding. And I want So 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 once once upon a time, many many years before I got into the sup, okay. I decided There's a guy named Richard Soa and I've been trying very hard to get him on the podcast and I think it's happening. Uh, But uh, he built an island out of plastic bottles and mangrove trees off the coast of Mexico. Yeah, it's it's it was huge. But like I wanted to recreate that. So I bought a whole bunch of pool noodles from Canadian Tire and some like two by fours and I tried to (laughs) nail foam onto wood and I was going to build a raft and I was going to go out in Mooney's Bay and it was going to be awesome. Uh, What I never occurred to me because I'm a dope is that when you nail foam into something, even wood, there's just no hold. So like the foam, it was just coming out like grease. I was dragging it to the end of my street and it started falling apart. So, so when you say like, you know, you know, you know how you just sling some foam over your back when you're portaging your canoe. I'm like, no, I have absolutely no frame of reference for that. Oh, man, we keep talking about going supping. We need to go paddle together. W- would you Would you lower yourself? I mean, you're oh, obviously like a canoe. <laughs> What's the difference between a ca- I know what a difference is between a kayak and a canoe, but experientially, how do the two compare? Um, it depends if you're talking like sea kayaking or whitewater kayaking. Like the kind that I would do on the lazy Rideau River. I don't do any like real supping like on waves or anything. Okay. So sea kayaking is um, really nice because you can sit. So it actually feels good on your back. You have lower back support and um, you can go quite effectively, efficiently, sorry, with um, a sea kayak. Um, I still obviously love canoeing because I get two people in the boat. And I like flipping it up and loading it with gear. It's a lot easier. But kayaking is great, too. A lot of people love that one. But canoeing, you can put more stuff in is what I'm Canoeing, it's like, you know, it's just better for families and friends. You just throw a bunch of stuff in your canoe, get it over the land, throw it back in the canoe. canoe? I don't know. I, I always thought you need two people to row it because it's so big. And the, but like, because I'm looking at a canoe and I'm like, I can get one like dirt cheap, and and just wheel it over to Black's Rapids and like put a case of beer in it. And uh, I will definitely you know. to make up for how um, intense or whatever, how much I've interrupted you on this podcast. I will give you a lesson and your boys and Catherine in canoeing anytime. This I think she's done the canoeing, but I'm basically on the same level as my two year olds when Perfect. it comes to like water wait. safety. We'll go in the canal. Just general I aptitude. always go paddling in the canal. It's only like 30 bucks to rent a canoe for a day. I was going to say like the Rito canoe club's not too far from here. And I feel like, no, I've tried to rent least... there. You can't, you have to be part of the club. Just go to Dow's. Really? Lake. Yeah, I've tried. 
I know Dow's Lake. I know mm-hmm. I know the people there, so I might be able to to figure that one out. I, you definitely don't have to be. But the thing is, it's just like the canal is kind of grody. It's not nice. Well, water. I won't the drink Rito it. River. <laughs> I know, but the Rito River is at least like not. <laughs> I, won't, I drank. I, won't the, I drank the Rito River water once, and then put it in your face. I won't take my scarf I, and. It, yeah. yeah, no, but it tastes it like I've fallen you in the water it? in the Rito River before. Like, well, like oh. I got some in my mouth when I fell and it was like it tasted <laughs> burny and it had this very like it it smells like the sea. Oh and 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 I bought some catfish jerky off the internet that's supposed to be like environmentally sustainable, like eco-friendly jerky. Sounds and I good. tried it and the first bite tastes like beef jerky, but then in the back of your mouth it's like, "Oh, that tastes like the Rito River." Oh, fun. Because it's a bottom feeder fish, right? So of course it's gonna smell like 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 that. You still but have some of that? I'd be curious. I like trying weird food. I have one piece left. It's like the picante flavor. So I will save it. It's <laughs> Catherine is not uh, clamoring at the bit to try catfish. So at some point, you and I will split that over like some homemade beer in a canoe trip. Oh, I love that. That sounds like a great day. Do you find yourself like excessively planning all the things you're going to do once we get to whatever normal is going to look like at the end of summer, fall, winter, whenever? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But What's number one on the bucket list for you? Um, I'm going to Tomogamy this summer with my dad and my stepmom and my stepmom's sister's ex-husband's daughter from her from his first marriage's ex-husband. Okay. We're going to go to Hap Wilson's cabin and my sister and her friends are going to meet us there on their canoe trip as well. So I'm looking forward to that. That sounds awesome. So is that going to happen regardless of like how, what kind of wave we're in? Like everyone's like reasonably close quarters. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen regardless because, um, by July, I think the older people in that group will be vaccinated and, um, I think on a canoe trip, I'll just be really careful the first, like for like a week or two weeks before I go. So then when we go, we're a self-contained bubble for the whole, you know, 10 days of that trip. So we're going to do it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, keep getting all the conflicting info about how this thing works. And so it's just like I said, you know what, I'm going to err on the side of caution and just become a complete hermit. And for me, at least for my wife, it's been kind of hard to be perfectly honest. Like it wasn't until like January or February of this year that I was like, you know what? I really miss playing squash. Like before that, it was kind of like I should play squash. I should get back in the church choir. I should, uh, you you know, go to the grocery store and touch things. Yes, you should. But I'm not there yet. That's okay. That's okay, Antonio. When you are there, I'll meet you at the Loblaws. I'll be hanging out. I, I'm not I'm not big on the Loblaws. I mean, Catherine buys her groceries at Walmart, and it saves me having to do it. But I'm more I'm more about the farmers market. I want to be a little oh, bit. No, uh, I'm getting calls. Um, yeah, farmers markets are great for sure. But I think you know, stay within your comfort zone. Um, I don't want you to feel stressed about interacting with too many people and germs and stuff. But people need to get some fresh air and some vitamin D. You can get fresh air and still be a loner, right? Yeah, I mean, I of course. I wander outside in the bush all the time. I live, I live near the green belt, so I just I know where I go you out live. in the forest. I know you know where I live, but like, let's not dox me on my own podcast. I know, but we? you're not a loner either, Antonio. You're one of the most memorable not, people I'm, I've ever met. I'm complicated. We're is, all is complicated. My, 
A little bit, right? I feel like anybody who's done comedy, especially, I feel like you have to have some kind of like mental blocks in order to be able to go up on stage and tell like very revealing humor because every every person I know that does comedy kind of craves this external validation that guffaws and laughs can only provide that you can't get from your own sense like if you were just smugly self-satisfied with a joke you wrote do you need to go up the yuck yucks or can you just be like (laughs) and then just put it in your drawer and like that's it i need to go up the yuck yuck everyone does everyone needs that that external validation or they wouldn't do comedy 100 percent agree you would just be like jim davis just you know make it a garfield strip and then just kind of you know chortle and smug self-satisfaction but I want to go back. I want to go back to this canoe trip because I, I have a hard time believing that the biggest oh shit moment was somebody needing pool foam on their on their shoes. Like, there's got to be one point where like somebody got bit by something. Oh yeah, someone okay. ran out I got of water. a good story then. All so, right, lay it on um, me. Uh, I led a co. So I co-guided a 42 day canoe trip with this girl Sarah Higgins who lives in Ottawa. Um, we're still good friends. She's got two little kids. I wish I could see her more, but we were but. There's a but. 22 when we guided okay. this canoe trip. No, there's no but. We love each other. Uh, just the way you yeah. said, like, I love her and we're still friends. Like, I feel like there's like a story of betrayal going on. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. There, there was a funny moment where we got off the 42-day canoe trip. And imagine how bonded you are after being in a canoe and a tent with one other woman for 42 days and a bunch of 16-year-olds. Right. Right. So we get off this canoe trip and then we had to write feedback on each other for the head guide for the camp. So um, I write like Sarah's incredible, wouldn't change a thing, like best friend ever, you know, and Sarah wrote Kaylee's incredible, like lover to death. She needs to stop micromanaging me in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so we always joke about that and she's right, but I... I get so hungry on canoe trip that like I have a hard time letting other people do the food because especially 16 year olds, they'll put in tons of salt or they'll burn it. And like, I look forward to that meal all day. So I have to do it. (laughs) Anyways, I did teach them and they did get better at food on canoe trip. But my story for you was, um, okay, imagine this. We're on like day 30 ish. Okay. We're going through this really tricky area with a lot of portaging up to like sunny water, smooth water in like northern, northern Tomogamy. Um, all of us are tired. Like, you know, kids are kind of tired and Sarah and I are like, oh my God, we're behind schedule. We're not going to get to our food drop. And she's like, I know. And I'm like, okay, we got to keep it together. Like we got to keep it together for the kids. And then Sarah stops and do you know how to um, put a canoe in a tree, Antonio? No way. Okay. So, you know, Kaylee, you know, there's Kaylee, no, we, we've been over this. Okay, you know how there's like birch trees like this, two birch trees parallel. I'm showing you on the screen. Yes. I know what a tree looks like. <laughs> you, you, you've gone from, you've gone from overestimating my knowledge to like underestimating it. Okay. So I'm going to demonstrate for you on the camera and you can like do the commentary, but okay. Imagine there's two trees, right? Okay. And imagine so I need to ram my canoe between those two trees so that I can get out from under it and take a break without having to flip it down and flip it back up, which is really tiring. So you're kind of wedging it in between the branches like an upside-down wood hammock. Yes, see, you are bright. So Sarah does that. 
Sarah does that. And she steps into a wasp nest. So all these wasps come out of the tree and start circling around in her canoe. And she doesn't want to, like, lose the wedge because then she has to flip it down and flip it back up. And they're big, heavy Grumman canoes with a lot of um, weight on them, you know? So she's, like, freaking out. And I hear her scream because she's getting bit all over her face. And I'm like, just drop it. Just drop it. Get out of there. So she gets out from under the canoe. And we just had a good long like laugh. And she ugly cried. And I dipped into my secret Starburst collection that I only pull out when I really need to pull out the Starburst. And she was covered in wasp bites. <laughs> Did you have calamine lotion? I think that would help a little bit more than I gave her. Uh, I gave her a Benadryl. Okay. She needed a Benadryl for sure. And uh, like cold water. And we packed it in a bit early that day and got up at like 5 a.m. the next day so we could make our food drop. And she was okay? She was fine. But it was just like that the sh- oh shit moment, right? I mean, those are those are pretty good. I mean, all things considered, you know, I was expecting like, you know, someone breaking an arm somewhere on like a portage or like running into a bear. I mean, maybe that's a testament to why you're still doing it is that, you know, what you're doing, you're planning ahead. You're not getting into the really like horrible moments that, you know, it's a little bit of planning kind of preventative medicine. It's it's a planning. And I thank you for saying that because it's a planning, but it's also it's like constantly surveying your group, right? Like guiding is exhausting because your brain can't turn off and you can't get too tired to basically deal with an emergency. So you're always looking at your campers, looking at their eyes to see how tired they are, looking at their skin to see if they're sunburnt, if they're being cranky, maybe they're hungry, you know? So accidents happen when people are tired and I don't take risks on canoe trip. Like I don't go down rapid you know, that my kids can't handle. And when I'm with friends, I go down rapids, but they can handle it. Now, I deliberately try and avoid talking anything legal on this podcast. Like, I really shy away from it. I don't want to talk about work stuff. Mm-hmm. But hearing you describe that, yeah. I can't help but wonder about the parallels between doing family law and doing canoe trips, where there is a little bit of prophylaxis. There is kind of knowing your client and whether or not oh, I love he's going to be no, sympathetic on the You can talk stand. about this. I love this conversation. So do you do you find that? Do you find it like you're digging oh, yeah. from your canoe toolbox when time. you go and deal with best, court stuff? Best training for being a family lawyer ever, guide canoe trips, especially for youth overcoming obstacles. So after I left the camp, I guided for Project Canoe in law school. I was in I finished first year and then spent four months in Tomogamy. The first two months were just training. And to guide for Project Canoe, you had to be 25, have worked with vulnerable people, have your National Lifeguard, have your four-day wilderness first aid course, Mm -hmm. and a bunch of references and blah, blah, blah. So all this to say it wasn't new guide because it was really hard. We were out there with uh, four youth to two staff because the children were really high need. And um, that training was so good for family law. So good. Really? Really. So, stepping on the wasp's nest, mm-hmm. I mean, you've spoken before the Supreme Court of Canada very recently. I think that was, that's got to be, that's got to be a high little feather in your cap there, if Thank I can you. say that. How, 
So 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 was that an oh fuck moment or was that like we just reached the summit of the the mountain after doing a twenty k portage? Um, I don't know why no. you would do that. I don't know why you would climb a mountain with your canoe, but let's say hypothetically that was a thing you would do in my mixed metaphor language. No, I, I did the Supreme Court intervention very carefully, very step by step. I had Surrender Malpani helping me weekly. I had a partner at Dowling's helping me when I needed him. And I had his junior lawyer and their like rising <coughs> star in family law, Sean Duguay also helping me so it was not an oh fuck moment it was like a lot of nervousness leading up to it but once I filed my factum I was just like Woo! but but I mean I guess I guess what I'm yeah I, I mean it's it's such a high mark for for any lawyer and I mean, to come back full circle to do a callback, I guess it's a good thing that you show a little bit more judicial deference than I do uh, when you're going to be speaking to the highest court in the land. You're not, you know, melting <laughs> off. Yeah, about, I'm only uh, saying that because I want you to like go and Colucci and Colucci. You know, like this is this whole podcast is so uh, the Supreme Court decides in my favor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I have so much respect for the judiciary <laughs> what are we talking about <laughs> I, I don't know i love uh i love uh i loved that i got to do that experience. Hold, hold, hold on a second what is that new book style tuna casserole you put tuna on pasta yeah it's called tuna casserole do you want to say hi to kaylee you can uh, be on my podcast hey Catherine. If you want. hi kaylee hi it's so good to hear your voice <laughs> she said she's gotta go back to work oh, i think enough. you just got snubbed by my wife that's okay yeah, fair enough I'll probably go and say hi to her afterwards. She's never made an appearance on the podcast, so oh, that would have been. I, I guess that if, if if I can pick that up in the background noise, that will be a first. I've got the gain all the way up on the mic. I'm sure that it would be really fun for people to like hear who Catherine is and how awesome she is and how she like reins you in and has fun and like laughs with you and is very serious and smart. I would love to watch any podcast with Catherine on it. I thought about having her on as a guest. I don't know if she'd want to do my podcast or not. Well, I'll go on it with her. <laughs> I'm never getting invited back on it. <laughs> you might. You might if you play your cards right. Yeah. I haven't had a repeat guest yet, but uh, I'm, might, I'm just I getting cycle. started. We've just scraped, scraped the tip of the iceberg here in uh, stuff I want to talk about. By the way, you want to guess who the MP for uh, for Algonquin Park is? Uh, oh, jeepers. First of all, guess the party. The liberals. No. I told you it's rural. So what, it's obviously. What was the percentages for who voted for who? No, I'm, we're not going yeah, there we yet. Are. We're not going yeah, there yet. Are. All right, fine. All right, all right, all right. That's... Right. Well, the MP, the MP who is there now yeah. has been uh, there since the yeah. 2000, yeah. since the year yeah, 2000. Yeah, so, so maybe they're so, not the worst conservative in the world. She got, she got 52% of the vote. So that's close. Uh, her, the runner up got 19%. Oh, that's not so close. And before it was conservative, it would belong to the Alliance. Okay. So it's, you're right. Fair enough. You know what? That's uh, it's Cheryl. Cheryl Gallant. Cheryl and Gallant. I'm sure she's who, lovely, Cheryl. I I just she just don't like she just went on. Politics. She went on. I'm sure you're lovely. She went. She went on a tirade about how this country was being seized by cultural Marxists, and it went it went viral, and it was all over the Twitter. What is machine. a cultural Marxist? 
as far as I can tell, it means Jews. Like if you if you think that like oh, like it's a no. very polite way and and you know what I'm not gonna defame somebody on my fan based podcast but 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 people people use the term cultural Marxist I've heard Jordan Peterson say cultural Marxist I think Pat Buchanan has referenced cultural Marxism and uh. as best as I can tell it it's like when somebody back in the 40s would have said liberal Jew media they now say cultural Marxist because it's a lot. More, I'm not yeah, probably gonna that's chop why words all are this so, whole discussion. That's why words are so interesting, right? Because basically, you know, words come in and out of fashion, and ideas and concepts don't. So words just change so that more people can use them or not use them or be angry at them or promote them. But see, this is so interesting. So I really do have to be very careful with what I cut out before because I want to leave this part in. I think it's very well, interesting. stop cutting kinda- me out, man. <laughs> I'm not cutting you out. You I'm just, just don't out. like what I have to say because I'm a cultural Marxist. I'm I'm just cutting out the things that you say that are like obscenely laden with profanities or otherwise. Oh yeah, just like right. A little too That's piquant. But other than that, I do, I, do I say things that are too piquant? Because I have not dropped a swear word yet. There were a couple, but it's okay. No, it's I'm okay. curious. I started Let's with oh, I started with Actually, oh fuck moment, and then to you go. said oh fuck. I have That's to go. Okay. I, I do this have was, this a was job. Fan- <laughs> but um, this, this, this I, was if fantastic. I said anything that was too piquant, no, um, I do want to discuss it further because I, I think I, the I, world I, needs to change. And I'm ready to let my uh, comedy uh, be a little more piquant because so, I'm done joking about things that aren't important. Well, I'm good at well, joking. Go. I love joking about things that aren't important. Okay. But. So- so, but, so, so we both have to go before our significant others, clients, and family uh, kill us. Fair enough. Uh, you do comedy. If people want to learn more about your stand-up stuff, do you have like a YouTube page or somewhere where people can see your stuff? Or do they just Hell have to get no. out in person and see you? <laughs> I'm not putting it up on YouTube. I might have to put it up for you. No. But then that means I'm going to get out in person, see one of your sets, record it without your permission, and post it up on the internet. And just like that, another episode is in the can. Thank you so much to Kaylee Henderson for coming on to my podcast. There was a lot of clipping that went into that, so I'm sure that Riley's handled most of it, and I might do a little bit post-production because there were just things that uh, Kaylee did not want to appear on the light of day, and probably a little bit on my end, too. So, you know, that's difficult when whenever you have a guest and you're trying to sort of clean up what's offside to what's onside and being lawyers in the daytime you're worried about something being politically incorrect or being viewed in the wrong light everything is about crafting your image and stand-up comedy is a little bit like that too where you have to be very careful with the truthfulness of your words but also there is an inherent untruthfulness in trying to make something funny or turn something on its head and those are two domains where even though they might seem like polar opposites i see them being very closely linked and so i think it's interesting whenever a law person tries to do a comedy thing and i am looking outside at the burgeoning spring and i'm hoping that i'm gonna get out and maybe do canoeing or just do something out on the water and getting away from uh, the uh, the stressors of the city so I think that's something I'd like to do. I'd like to do more episodes of Who Cares If You Listen, and I hope some of you will tune in for next week's episode. And as always, if not, 
Who cares if you listen?